All right, so we're looking at again, and uh, this has been a very practical series, and how do we deal with uh, our, our worldview? How do we approach things? How do we look at things in a secular society, which is what we all really live in, unless if you have a job at a church, maybe you're not uh, secularized, but 99% of you work in uh, or have families and so forth that are uh, outside the Christian church, if you will. So if you have a Christian home, of course, we would expect you to have a worldview, but you're constantly bombarded by secularism. It's just you can't get away from it. When, uh, as uh, we came out with uh, the Barna reports that uh, about 96% of the world, and specifically, and I believe it's America too, uh, basically do not hold to a Christian biblical world view. That breeds a whole lot of problems that we have to face every single day of our life. So the issue is how do you keep from getting secularized? How do you keep from being, and we use the fancy terms, pluralistic in your view? You say, well, what do you mean by pluralism? Pluralism, plural is, is it singular or plural, right? Singular meaning one-dimensional, plural meaning more than one. Well, in a pluralistic world, which is what we live in, we have our Christian worldview that's constantly being bombarded by secularism. And it's bad. It's, it's worse than it's ever been. And uh, uh, as we know, especially during our lifetime at least. Uh, so we've got to deal with that. So the question is then, when we live in this pluralistic, uh, syncretistic, in other words, what the other fancy word we've been using is syncretism. Syncretism means taking more than one thing and making it, basically you pull them together and make it into one concept, all right? So those fancy words, secularism, syncretism, pluralism, these are the things that are bombarding you as God's people every single day. And all God's people said? Amen. I don't know if we say amen or boo, but it's, <laughs> but it's, a, it's a fact of life. All right, uh, we're going to skip through that. We don't need that. All right, so we're going to talk about one of the huge issues that Revelation 21.8, and we've, we've just gone through that several times over the last couple of weeks. Why in Revelation 21.8? If you don't know what it is, you, you probably should turn to it. And this is a verse that I constantly use, especially when witnessing to folks, telling them about Christ, because this is the verse that makes it crystal clear as to where everyone without Christ is going to spend eternity. So uh, when we're looking at Revelation 21.8, again, it goes through a list of what we'll call heavy-duty sins, cowardly, unbelieving, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters. And then the last one, which is kind of what we're centering on this morning, and all what shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. All what? Liars. All liars. All right? Why did God choose to put that in there? Well, I think, all, and we've done this, it's nothing new to you, have been here for a while. Why does God put in all liars? Well, quite frankly, the, the, the fact of the matter is lying is one of those things that uh, when you're a kid, it just becomes part of who you are. Very, you know, I don't know one person on this earth that hasn't at least told, and I say one lie, most of us have told a whole lot more than one lie, or we like to, if we won't call it lying, maybe we call it shading the truth. Well, it's, uh, uh, you come up with, uh, it's like you get asked a point-blank question and you use some circuitous route to give a half-truth. You like that word circuitous? Yeah, okay. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, circuitous, which is, I like that word for whatever reason. Instead of it being a straight path, it means you're taking a long route. Okay, it's circuitous. Put that down, mark it down. I don't know how to spell it. Anyway, uh, so we take this circuitous route. Anyway, what's, what's the point? What we're going to look at, and I want you to take your Bibles, please. We're going to go to Acts chapter 5. We're going to look at a very tough story that happened biblically, obviously, during the first century. Y'all good? Okay. Acts chapter 5. Oh, you're getting some help. Okay, good. All right, Acts chapter 5. We're going to go look at a couple of verses, then we're going to stop. We're going to go through some uh, things. And by the way, all these things should be on your study sheet. I want to tell you a, a couple of, of things why I'm doing the, this particular topic this morning, and I hinted at it a little bit this morning during the message. I and you probably are very aware that among Bible-believing Christians, and I hate to say this, some pastors, some churches that are Bible-believing, at times God's people, to to the to shame I got to say, it's horrible, decide not to tell the truth. Can you imagine... A pastor who preaches the same gospel we preach here that gets up in a business meeting and lies to the people and gets caught and denies it and it's on writing in writing that's one of the issues I faced this week with obviously not our church but another one and you say well how does what do you think about that as a pastor I'm furious. And the unfortunate thing is that happened in two churches I had to deal with people from this week. Pastors that lied over and over again, documented, and again, churches that any one of us here probably would say, yeah, that's a church I would attend. And they're not in this area either. So I just, I want to, I'm giving these caveats because I don't want you to try and think who it is, all right? It doesn't matter who it is. doesn't matter where it is because it's a chronic problem that God's people can't tell the truth. And when it creeps into leadership, it's a huge problem. It's an integrity issue. So here's the problem, and here's, here's the thing we want to touch on. You're like, well, why are we talking about it here? Because, folks, if it's happening and it's causing problems and, it's, and it leads to church splits, by the way, when it gets found out, right? Do you want a pastor that's telling a lie and unrepentant? I hope not. I hope not. So it's like people that have been lying that even up to that level and I hate to even state that something like that is happening but it's like okay the mindset of even God's people is culturally is it all do I always have to tell the truth can't I kind of shade the truth sometime because you know sometimes the truth really hurts and I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings well, from a biblical perspective, and again, we're just throwing this out for you to think about, and then we're going to get into the Scriptures and see if we can work it out. Is it ever appropriate 
to fudge on the truth. And I would agree with you. But I'm bringing that out because if it's not appropriate, how many times is it happening? All right, so I'm setting the stage on this on purpose because I really want us to think about this. I also want us to think about is, okay, not telling a direct lie. In other words, I mean, just total fib. It's like, uh, were you in church on Sunday? Yes, I was there, and you weren't there. Okay, that's an outright lie, right? Uh, well, uh, yeah, you know, I, um, I, 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 I watched the service. Oh, so you were at church. Well, yeah. And you were watching it at home on video. Okay? Is it a lie, the way you stated it? Well, not really, because you watched the service. You were kind of there, but you were there via the Internet. And, and it's just kind of shading the truth. You see what I'm saying? So there's this direct lie. Yeah, I was sitting right there in pew number three, and uh, I was there. And it's just an outright lie. Or, eh, let's just play a little game with it. I really don't want them to know the truth, but I'll just kind of edge around it. That circuitous route. So uh, uh, here's, here's why we're going there. Because when you have little lies that breed bigger lies that then breed what with your integrity... It's a deal killer. It's an absolute deal killer, uh, uh, losing our integrity. All right, so let's go to Acts chapter 5 to to start us out here. And uh, immediately you're going to know what the the, uh, account is. So we go back to Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he, speaking of Ananias, kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it. All right, so here's what was taking place during the early church times. So people were, I mean, they were just hook, line, and sinker in a good way, loved the church, wanted to help uh, uh, God's people. They're going through tough times, persecution. New churches were basically, and they weren't like today. They were more underground than if anything. But uh, they're trying to help each other get through the persecutions, help people with property, help people with food. And many of the people said, listen, I, I, in fact, somebody talked, I don't want to go there because that's too close to home. Uh, but uh, here's, here's what happens. People were saying, listen, I want to give every, I, I sold my home, and I'm going to give every dime to the church. And, and I sold some property, and I'm giving every dime to the church because I want to help it. And not speaking of the church, we're talking about the early church Christians, okay? And by the way, this isn't a message about giving money to the church. This is about what took place in the first century. Why were we clear? Nobody walk out because I'm preaching on money. Um, <laughs> here's, the, here's the concept. So, uh, the first century, I'm, yeah, you know, I, I've got this couple of acres. I sold it for X amount of shekels, and here they are. Every single dime, God bless you, use it to the glory of God. Wonderful. And nice and Sapphire said, hey, uh, 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 we, got, we, got, we got this little possession here, and boy, it's, it's worth a pretty good dollar. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, my dear sweet wife, Sapphira, uh, I know we sold it for so much, but... Uh, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep some of that for ourselves, and we're going to tell them we, you know, this was the cost. This is how much we paid. We got paid for it, and uh, you know, we're going to do this little kind of white lie thing, and they'll never know the difference. Oh, sweetheart, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know I could do that, did you? Anyway, uh, so she's, she's coming right along with it. She says, oh, sweetheart, that's wonderful. We could use a new washer and dryer and uh, blah, blah, blah. And uh, uh, anyway, so they do it. 
All right, so but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira's wife sold a possession. He kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part, not the whole thing, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Oh, uh, uh, listen, guys, uh, we sold the property. Here's all the money from it. Now, it, it, doesn't even, it doesn't even go into the details, so uh, you've got to kind of figure out what's going on here based on what now is going to happen, which is capital punishment. Verse 3, Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to whom? Ooh. Satan has filled your heart, buddy. And guess who you're lying to? The Holy Spirit. Listen, guys, you, do you know who we represent? Do you know what you're doing here? And Satan just filled your heart, buddy, and you're lying to the Holy Spirit. And you kept back part of the price of the land for yourself? Oh, I guess he just gave the punchline. You just came up here. You told a blatant lie to my face. This is God's place. This is for God's work. And you have the audacity to lie, not to man, but to God. And you say, wait a minute. They're pulling the leg on these apostles. How, how does God tie into this? Verse 4. While it remained, was it not your own? Listen, you can do whatever you want with it. You own this. It's your property. You do whatever you want with it. And, and after it was sold, was it not in your own control? If you wanted to keep 90%, 95%, give us 5% or some other, it's, it's yours to decide. But here's what they did. Why have you conceived this thing in your what? Heart. Conceive this thing in your heart. Where do lies come from? The Bible says guard your, guard your heart. Guard it. Guard your heart. Why? Because out of it, full boy, abundance of sin, abundance of things that, uh, that are corrupt. And God says, you better guard that heart. And he said, listen, why have you conceived this thing in your heart? So they're, they're sitting there, they're like, man, we could sure use this. And they're thinking about, how are we going to pull this off? How are we going to keep it secret so nobody knows? And, and, and we'll, we'll play this game, and we'll tell them we're doing X, but we're really doing Y, and nobody will be the smarter for it. And all of a sudden, you've got individuals during the first century church, apostolic times, who were what with the Holy Spirit? Filled. Now, during apostolic times, the apostles were literally filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were able to exercise the apostolic gifts, which included word of knowledge. Hmm. So they knew the truth. And nobody had to tell them, except because who told them? Well, God did, very simply. While it remained, was it not in your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to whom? God. Now, this is tough stuff. And every single one of us in this room is prone to do it unless we guard our heart. Why do people lie, by the way? Tell me, why do people lie? Advantage or to get out of trouble. Anyone else? Say so what? Convenient. Others? Okay, a little louder. Help me out. 
make themselves look good? Anybody else? Appealing? Help me out. Okay. I'm sorry, I just I don't hear real good as you can figure out. All right. So all these different things. By the way, again, and I bring this up quite often, when someone does something wrong, the punishment should be worse than the pleasure you got from committing the sin. What did God do to them? He kills them. Killed them. They just, they just told a little lie. Everybody tells lies. And God kills them. Now, let's go to the, we're going to come back to this in just a moment. So, and of course you don't want to work. Why does it do this? There we go. All right, so these things are on, on your study sheet. Issues that we are dealing with every single day in America right now. What is the truth regarding climate change? And again, we've been through these things over and over and over again. By the way, for those of you that know prophecy, is there literally going to be a climate change someday? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, you got the one judgment where uh, the scorching heat will come. A lot of people will be literally burned up for a short period of time. Uh, serious climate change after the end of the millennium. What happens to the heavens, the earth, and uh, uh, what's going to happen to them? I'm going to be burned up. So, I mean, there's a serious climate change that's going to happen at the end of the millennial kingdom, but that's a minimum of a thousand seven years away. What's the truth regarding inflation? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we could really get charged up right now, right? Uh, well, it's uh, 8.1%. It's 9.1%. No, it's been 15, 20, 50% based on uh, what commodity we're looking at. So you look at the government as conservative Bible-believing Christians, and you're like, they honestly think we're that stupid not to get this. And they're constantly what? Yeah, it's called lies. <laughs> Brainwashing. Uh, whatever you want to call it. So we get used to hearing lies, and it's like it's part of society. Everybody lies for political gain or, per, or personal gain. So it's part of our culture. Of course politicians lie. It's part of the game. Of course government lies. It's part of the game. And, it's, and then, it, it, folks, if you have children and you and us, we're constantly hearing what we know not to be truth. And it's like, well, why tell the truth? It's, it's, it's self-serving, do what you want. If a little lie will help me, so be it. And we get sucked into the culture. That's that pluralistic, syncretistic secularization of American Christians. And it's like, whoa. That's why I went to Ananias and Sapphira. Now, is God killing people for lying these days outright? Could he? Of course, God can do anything he wants, but uh, fortunately... He doesn't do it, or we probably have half the people here this morning. And you may not have a pastor, And although I try to be very, very, very careful. What is the truth regarding national security? How about, don't, don't, don't respond, don't respond. <laughs> yeah, these are all rhetorical questions, because I know if I want, listen, if I wanted to get this place hooping and hollering and going for it, uh, I could really crank you up right now, but I don't want to do that. I just want you to think. 
All right. Uh, what is the truth regarding the Department of Justice and the FBI? I said don't respond to them. <laughs> Folks, when I was at the FBI National Academy, and I can't even remember when I went, I think 2001, 2002, it was like the highlight of my life going to the FBI Academy, National Academy. It was for, if you will, executives in law enforcement. 14 of the best weeks of my life. Loved it. Great teaching, great physicality, all that good stuff. Walked across the stage, received my uh, whatever you want to call it, certificate, diploma, whatever, from the director of the FBI, and I thought I was on cloud nine. Subsequent to that, I, uh, when I was still at the sheriff's office, the current FBI director was in place, and boy, I was like, this is a big deal. This is the director of the FBI. This is the best of the best, the cream of the crop. Now I'd be embarrassed to show him my picture I took with him. You say, why? Deception, lies, corruption, nonsense that you read about in the news. Lies and deception for personal and or political gain. How old is this? as old as the original sin of Adam when believing the lies and deception of Satan. Oh, Eve. Now remember, Satan wasn't, uh, I don't know how he came up to Eve. I don't know how he got her attention. But oh, Eve, you look so good today. Take a look at that fruit. And he starts lying to her. Starts a little bit of deception. Oh, Eve, no, 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 dear. You're not going to die. You're going to get smart. You're going to be so smart. You won't believe what's going to happen when you eat that food. And Eve says, oh, shucks, I guess it can't be all that bad. Oh, shucks, it was that bad. Adam, you big old hunk, come here, buddy. I just, man, this is good. You won't believe, man, Adam, I'm telling you, you got to do this. God said, Adam, don't you dare touch that. Don't touch it. Don't eat it. Get away from it. Don't do it. And Adam said, and by the way, he's sinless at this time, but God gave him what? He gave him a free will. And Adam says, uh, looks at, his, at Eve, and he's like, well, if, I guess if Eve says it's okay, can't, you know, what's the harm? Eternal death for every single person in this room, that's the harm. That's how serious it was. Little deception, a little white lie. Next thing you know, the whole entire world is condemned to death and hell, and Jesus Christ has to leave heaven to fix things. So it's big. What is the truth regarding COVID-19 vaccines and boosters? You've heard every single side of the story there is to tell. I read an article yesterday. Yeah, it is. Because, again, I get you all going on this. But you read it, and there's people, and, and it's confusing. And it's like, well, should I, take, should I take the shot? Shouldn't I take the shot? Should I take the booster? Shouldn't I take the boosters? I read an article yesterday. Again, I don't know, and I'm just telling you. I know there's two sides of the story. I stay out of the medical piece of it because I'm not a doctor. I just listen and read to the same things you listen to and read. If... The report that I read yesterday is true, and I can't verify it is. 
10 million people have died so far from taking vaccines. I don't know that that's a true statement. Is it true or false? You know why I doubt everything I read? Because I don't know it's true. If I can't verify it, it's simply, you know, what are the statistics? How do you prove that 10 million people have died from the vaccine? The CDC says uh, a little over a million people have died in America from uh, COVID. And it's like, okay, how much of that's true? Because then you hear, well, how are they reporting things? Here's my point. Don't get caught in a COVID thing that, and I know you're caught in it right now, but try to uncatch yourself. What's the point that I'm bringing up? The point is, what is truth? How do you know what truth is? I try everything we do when I write books, when I talk, I, when I'm on the radio, when doing something about a particular event or whatever, a particular subject, I always have documentation that I can prove. Always. Because when I get sued someday by somebody who says, well, that's not true. I'm like, well, yeah, it is. Here it is. So I always back everything up because I've been in law enforcement too long. I'm not going to get in a trick bag. So I want documentation. But we're constantly being influxed with what is the truth. Here's, boy, this one, and, and boy, I could go off on this for a long time, and I've got it on your sheet. What about this mon monkeypox thing that's coming out? Look on your study sheets because I didn't want to put it up on the Internet. This is from the New York Times, a good, solid, conservative newspaper, right? Not. Good morning. The CDC or the Center for Disease Control acknowledged it had botched its COVID response. It is part of a broader set of failures. By the way, why didn't the CDC all of a sudden go to admit they botched things up? Nothing is as it appears. Keep that in mind. Similar problems have emerged with monkeypox. Some public health officials have been reluctant to acknowledge that the virus is mostly spreading among gay and bisexual men out of fear of stigmatizing this group. In other words, we're going to lie because we don't want to tell the truth and hurt somebody's feelings. That's what it really says. But about 95% of, of known United States cases are among men who have sex with men, not all of whom identify as gay or bisexual. Well, what are you? Yeah, failing to acknowledge that makes it harder to target and advise the most at-risk group. I went into more detail in a previous newsletter, blah, blah, blah. Effective public health messaging needs to be honest. What? Yeah, what? Uh, and this is, this is, again, this isn't from a Christian local. This is from the New York Times quoting Ellen Carlin, a health security policy expert at Georgetown University. Effective public health messaging needs to be what? Honest. And all God's people said? Yeah. Uh, and uh, what's the last line here, if I can find it again? If officials, underline bolded, if officials do not trust the public with the truth, then the public will eventually stop trusting officials too. <laughs> yeah, we already have. That's the point. Yeah, a little late to the party. All right, so let's go now. We're going to go. You say, now you got us all cranked up. We all want to go out and protest somewhere. That's not the point, okay? Here's the point. This is what we face every single day of our life as God's people, constantly being told nonsense, lies, circuitous, whatever, for personal gain, political gain, and we fall into it to the point where I'm dealing with two different families, two different churches, that uh, the pastor openly lied. It's all documented. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, and they're distraught. Their lives have been ruined and crushed because of these lies. And it's like, how much more damage can we allow it to take place? 
You say, well, Pastor, what are you going to do about that? I'm still praying about it because it's huge. It's big. And it's time we had some cleanup in some of our alleged fundamental Bible-believing churches, and maybe it's time a few people got called on like Ananias and Sapphira did. All right, let's go to the next part of that. What is truth? And boy, if they can't get truth from me and you, it's not available. Verse 5, Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. Gee, isn't it amazing that when capital punishment is used for a crime that it got people's attention? So let's thank God that that isn't in effect today. But on the other hand, when people kill other people and there's no accountability and they send them home with a slap on the wrist, when other things take place and there's no accountability and children are not held accountable and no, we don't use the death penalty on children, but if there's no sanctions, if there's no uh, uh, making the pleasure of the wrongdoing worse than the pleasure of doing the wrong, you're going to have the chaotic world that we have today. You're going to have the murder rate out of control. You're going to have violence out of control. You're going to have rape, incest, murder, battery, violence, robberies going off the charge. Isn't it amazing that that's exactly what's happening in, in America today? No accountability. Verse 6, and young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. How'd that work for you, Ananias? Enjoy, enjoy that extra money that's uh, sitting at home now for the kids. Verse 7, that was about three hours later when his wife came in not knowing what had happened. <laughs> Verse 8, Peter answered her, tell me, Sapphira, whether you sold the land for so much, she said what? Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. Verse 9, it's kind of a short judicial process. Peter said to her, that's, that's your answer, final answer. How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. What happens? Verse 10, then immediately she fell down on his feet, breathed her last, and the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. What's the next line? Great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Now again, God is making it very clear about the severity of lying to God. And he put these individuals, the apostles, in his stead. So lying to the apostles, <laughs> in God's opinion, which is the only opinion that counts, was to lie specifically to the Holy Spirit. All right, so we understand the severity of doing this, correct? I mean, you can't get away from it. All right, so let's go. We're almost out of time, but I think we already got the point here. This is pretty severe stuff. Ephesians chapter 4, it's on the back of your handout. And he himself, speaking of Christ, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. By the way, you know what my main job is here? It's to train other people for the work of the ministry. You say, what are you talking about? You're the one that's in the ministry. No, folks, we're all in the ministry. I just happen to be the cheerleader. I get to tell you some stuff, hopefully teach us some stuff, and then what do we do as a corporate body? 
boom, we get out there and get the work done. That's it. So my job really is, yeah, I got to do my job too. I need to go out and do the same thing, but we all should be doing it together. That's what God's called us to do, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect, meaning mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the what? Speak the truth. Now, the next two, two words are very operative. Speak the truth and what? Speak the truth, but you better be speaking what? Better be speaking what? Uh, the truth. The truth in love. But you better be speaking the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Folks, and we're going to quit here. Now, let's go to one more. We got two minutes. Go to John chapter 8, verse 44 on your handout. Scoot ahead here for those on the internet. All right. Jesus is talking here. He's talking to those who uh, have a little problem accepting him as, as who he is, as the Messiah. And Jesus, he dresses them down. He said, listen, guys, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father, the devil, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in what? In the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he, basically, when he lies, he is a liar. He speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So in other words, God is making it very clear. And we'll end with this. Every time we tell a lie, every time we are doing a circuitous, well, kind of like, but maybe, but, you know, uh, God says, listen, that's an integrity issue. And when we start out with these little teeny white lies and they grow into big fat whatever kind of lies, watermelon size, elephant size lies, and all of a sudden what happens? Our integrity is shot. Folks, if I say one thing up here on this platform and it turns out not to be true, I'm not talking about I made a mistake that uh, on a doctrinal issue or something like that, an honest thing where, oh yeah, you don't agree with me. I'm talking about if I get up here and say something dogmatically and it's an outright lie, what are you going to think about Pastor Rich? Well, if you, if you ever come back, right, it's like, you got an integrity issue, buddy. What's your problem? And that's exactly what you should do, by the way. Now, I trust that'll never happen. And I trust if you hear something and it's like, well, Pastor Rich, that's not true. And I'm like, well, what do you mean it's not true? Well, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, are you kidding? Yeah, I messed up. I'll fix it. But if I purposely lie and try and deceive folks in a leadership position, you know what you should say to that? Yeah, he can repent, but go back to the secular work and not fit for the ministry. Everybody watching on the internet right now, if your pastor's a liar, not fit for the ministry. You say, that's not kind. No, it's truth. It's Bible truth. Get them out. Fire them. Fire them. Don't deserve to be leading God's people. Say, well, what if he repents and says he's sorry? That's up to you. You say, Brother Rich, you're kind of harsh on this, aren't you? Well, I just read you a story about Ananias and Sapphira who got killed for this. The devil 
is a liar. We don't need devil, devil people in God's work. Nor does God want you as his child to ever lose your integrity by saying things that aren't true. Does it make sense? Yes. It does. Father, help us, Lord. It's, it's difficult. And Lord, we're in a society that absolutely will not tell the truth. We're in a culture that will not tell the truth. We're in old natures that every single one of us has that doesn't want to tell the truth. Father, we need the presence of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives today. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to walk in the Spirit so that we will not indeed fulfill the lust of the flesh. Father, help us, help us. Let the Holy Spirit work on our hearts that we might speak the truth and only the truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God, and do it in love. Father, bless us now. Help us as we go our ways. Help us to live a life of integrity that brings honor and glory to you.